You might not need this message today, the one uh, that's going to follow Elder Aquino's. It might not be for you. And if you don't fit this category, then you can just check it off the list and the sisters can go ahead and work on their grocery order for the week and uh, the men can do their things to do list. And so if this doesn't apply to you, then hopefully you'll find uh, something more beneficial to do. But I do believe that it will apply to some. I believe that it will. I talked to a lady uh, a while back, and she said, you know, uh, this was not here at Mount Carmel. This was another place that she'd gone to church. And she said, the message was good, but she says it wasn't what I needed. So I hope that the Lord will bless it to be something that will benefit you. John chapter 14. I was really in hope Sister Marcia would be here because I thought this might help her. And maybe, maybe she can hear it on Brother Tom's recording if it's of any benefit. Let not your heart be troubled. So I can tell you that If you don't have a troubled heart, if you've never had a troubled heart, you may experience it. But if you don't experience a troubled heart, then the rest of this chapter is really not going to benefit you that much. But for those that have a troubled heart, and that could come from a variety of things. The other day, I got overwhelmed for about 30 minutes, and I realized that I had a troubled heart. Uh, I can get discouraged, and I realize that I've got a troubled heart. I can look at the situations around or in my own self and realize that sometimes I get a troubled heart. Jesus Christ is delivering this message right here to his closest followers, his closest disciples. He's already told one that he's going to betray him, and he's already telling the disciples that he's about to depart from them in a bodily presence. And he senses and he recognizes and he knows, God knows all things, but God realized that they were of a troubled heart. My grandmother used to say it in an old-fashioned way. She'd say, are you disturbed about something? Old-fashioned way of putting it. That you've got a troubled heart. Jesus Christ directs this message to the disciples, to the followers that are there. And he tells them, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he gives us... A whole list of things that help us in dealing with and overcoming a troubled heart. We'll look at that here in just a minute. There's a song that we sing occasionally. Oh, troubled heart. It's uh, in our hymn book. It's 248. Oh, troubled heart, there is a home beyond the reach of toil and care. A home where changes never come. Who would not fain be resting there? I'll just read the verses and then the chorus. Yet when bowed down beneath the load, 
by heaven allowed thine earthly lot. Look up, thou reach that blessed abode, wait, meekly wait, and murmur, murmur not. Toil on, nor deem, though sore it be, one sigh unheard, one prayer forgot. The day of rest will dawn for thee. Wait, meekly wait, and murmur not. And the chorus goes, oh, wait, meekly wait, and murmur not. Oh, wait, meekly wait, and murmur not. Oh, wait, oh, wait, meekly wait, and murmur not. Let not your heart be troubled. My, uh, my grandfather lived to be almost 92 years of age. In the last few years of his life, he couldn't see to read. And he enjoyed having the Bible read to him. And so the grandkids would gather around and we'd say, Granddad, what would you like us to read? And he always wanted us to go over and start with John chapter 14. I didn't realize at the time what he was getting out of it. But now that he's in the presence of the Lord, it means more and more to me. And I get more and more out of it. Let not your heart be troubled. Is there anybody here that has a troubled heart? I am so glad that nobody... There's a few. Well, if you do, then maybe you'll get a blessing from this message. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. One of the first things that Christ begins to do with his followers, with his disciples, and he does this over and over again throughout his word. We've addressed this many times, but one of the greatest enemies that, that we have, one of the greatest struggles that we have is oftentimes self. And so... Christ starts out and he says, I want to redirect your thinking. I want to redirect your thinking from self to something else. I want to redirect your thinking from all of your troubles, all of your trials, all of your difficulties, all of your fears, all of your discouragements. And I want you to think about something else. First of all, I want you to think about God. Secondly, I want you to think about God's Son. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, in addition to that, I don't want you to only think about what's going on around you. Yes, you've got problems. If you're living in this world, you're just pretty well guaranteed you're going to have them. You're not going to escape challenges and problems here in this life. It, 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 that's just, it is what it is. But Christ addresses this group and he says, I want you to think about something else. I want you, first of all, to think about me. I want you to think about my father. And then he says, I don't want you to just spend all your time thinking about your difficulties and your trials here and this earth and all the disappointments. I want you to think about heaven. Now, I'll tell you what, that's always encouraging 100% of the time. The only time thinking about heaven is discouraging. Anybody know what that is? It's when we can't just go on and go on there right now. 
Brother Mike Rogers says, when I start thinking about heaven, I get discouraged that I can't just go on and be with the Lord. I'm, 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 my ticket's out of here. I want to go and be with the Lord. And so it's a little discouraging that sometimes we have to hang around a little bit longer. But we enjoy thinking about it. He says, in my father's house are just a few mansions. No. A mansion is a dwelling place. Now I've driven by some pretty fabulous mansions. And I've wondered what it must be like on the inside and what it must look like. How one must live and have servants to wait on you all the time and servants to take care of the yard and take care of the house and all the things that come along with it. But here's a mansion that not only can we think about, but we can look forward to being there. Amen. Look what he says. I, I, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to hear Brother Bradley at 830, but leading up to Brother Bradley, leading the one that prefaces Brother Bradley is David Jeremiah. And, and, and he has a lot of really good uh, insight. And he's been preaching out of Revelation about heaven. And it's been a, 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 I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it. I don't necessarily agree with everything that, that uh, David Jeremiah says. He probably wouldn't agree with everything I say. But uh, like Brother Sonny Powell says, when you're eating chicken, he says you chew up the chicken and you spit out the bone. So if there's something that uh, it, it, it's not the way I understand it, I, I enjoy the chicken very much. Amen. It says, in my father's house are many mansions. He says, in fact, he says... If it were not so, I would have told you. And he says, and I go and I prepare a place for you. So first of all, Christ is addressing his followers right here. And he says, uh, for a little while, I want you to sort of step outside the box and not be thinking about your difficulties and trials and shortcomings here. But I want you to start thinking about heaven. I want you to start thinking about the place that I'm preparing for you. I don't understand fully all what heaven's going to be like, but I understand what it's not like. I understand that we're not going to have sin. I understand we're not going to have sorrow. I understand we're not going to have disappointments. I understand that there's not going to be any more tears for the, the, the experiences of sorrow and sin that we experience here in this life. And I understand that there's going to be rejoicing and there's going to be praising of our Heavenly Father. And our sin nature is going to be put away from us. And we're going to be in a perfect sense. I understand that these old bodies are not going to break down and, and have the difficulties that we deal with here. But they're going to be made, uh, they're going to be changed and made like Jesus Christ. And so... Everything that we experience in heaven, what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1, is not just a little bit better, but in heaven it's far better. So no matter what we've experienced here, the best that we experience here, heaven is far better than that. And Christ says, for a while, I want you to think about me. I want you to think about my Father. I want you to think about heaven. I want you to think about the dwelling place. And you know, when we start doing that, doesn't it soothe our troubled heart? Doesn't it encourage our troubled heart? Did you know that when we start thinking about heaven and Christ and, and the dwelling place and being there, 
Did you know that it almost, it almost takes away the troubled heart? In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Now, that right there ought to help you in overcoming and dealing with the troubled heart. I don't know exactly where heaven is, if it's over here, if it's over here, or back here. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but what I do know is that Christ is there. That Christ is there and that he cares enough for you that he's going to come back for us and take us home. I've been here long enough to remember some of these families that had... So many kids that sometimes they leave one at church. Anybody ever? In fact, well, Grace, I think you were left one time. I think Ellen was left. In fact, I think the cooks ended up taking you to their house for a few days, maybe. But did you know what? When the Lord comes back for us, he's going to know where we are. Now, I think Ellen would get under a pew and go to sleep. I'm not sure where Grace was. I think Brother Ace has left a child or two. But did you know that when the Lord comes back for us, he's going to know where we are? Did you know something? Even if we're hiding from him. He's going to know where we are. You remember that time Carla hid behind the air conditioner compressor eating strawberries? They thought somebody had gotten her. But even if we're hiding from the Lord, he knows where we are. When when he comes back, he's going to take us home to be with him. And did you know what? He's not going to lose a single one. Now I'm encouraged. That in heaven, I believe we've got indication here that there's going to be a lot of folks. Because why would he go and prepare? It says, in my father's house are many mansions. So if the Lord's going to prepare a dwelling place of many mansions, it's an indication that he's got many that's going to dwell there. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I'm coming again. And he says, then you're going to be with me. And he says, you'll be with me also there. And whither I go and the way that ye know. Now, I want to, this, is, this next part is really, I, I think it's, it's, it's real good. Thomas said unto him, he says, Lord, he says, no, not, he says, we know not whither thou goest. And, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now you can go over to John chapter 6 and he tells us about how we come to him, that he draws us unto him. But uh, I think some folks confuse this verse right here when Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, meaning that I have to... uh, I have to grab a hold of Christ in order to make that way. I believe what Christ is saying right here, he is declaring to us that he is the way. That if we end up in glory, if we end up in heaven, it's because of Christ. That Christ is the way that we get there. Not that this is not a a proposition, but this is a declaration. My parents took me a lot of places before I understood it, before I knew it, even before I knew who was taking me there. They took me from one place to another, even when I didn't participate in it other than just being there. And that's exactly the way it is with you going to heaven. Christ is going to take you there by what he's done. He is the way. It's not a proposal. It's a declaration that Christ is the way that you're going to be in heaven. And he goes on to say, he says, I am the way. And he says, and I am the truth. Christ is truth. Not only did Christ preach the truth, not only did he present the truth, but Jesus Christ himself is truth. There is no other truth aside from Christ. There is one way that you're going to get to heaven. Thank goodness it's not by your works. I know some good folks. I know some folks that have done some good works. But that's not going to get you to heaven. Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the truth. And then he says, and Jesus Christ is not only the way, the truth, but Jesus Christ is the life. Eternal life. The blessing of having the joy and the knowledge of Christ here in this life. If you want the abundant life you're not going to have it outside of christ you're not now i'll use an example this is maybe a feeble example but maybe you can understand this you can't serve god and honor god i'm I'm using this as just an example right here but you this is for young folks you cannot serve god and honor god and glorify god if you don't honor your parents Because the fifth commandment is honoring your father and mother. And you can't say, well, I'm going to be a disciple and a follower of Christ. And I'm going to to honor God and not honor your parents. The way to have this full and abundant and peaceful life is not outside Christ. Christ is our all in all. Jesus Christ says... And, and he can declare this. He says, I am the way. I believe that's a, 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 a statement of fact, a declaration, not a proposal. I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can go back to John chapter 6, and he says that he draws us unto him. He says, if ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Now, he's talking about to his disciples. He's talking about followers. So truly, these are children of God. Truly, these are elect. And he's not presenting this to them as, if you'll do this, you'll become my child. If you'll do this, you'll become a sheep. 
but you're a sheep because of my son. It comes on down. I want to get to the uh, 15th, 16th verses. They're really, really good. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Like Moses wanted to see the Lord. And Jesus said unto him, he says, he he encourages him here, almost in a rebuke. He says, Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long a time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He says, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and thou and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believe not, believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. He says, he says not only believe what I say, But believe for the very work's sake, he says in verse 11, he says, or else believe me for the very work's sake, the miracles that I've performed, uh, the miraculous things that that have been done. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, that I do, shall he do also. The greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, first of all, I don't believe that Christ is saying right here that you can ask for anything for our sinful desires. But when we talk to the Lord and we seek the Lord's direction and the Lord's deliverance, the Lord's mercy... We go to the Lord and we pray to the Lord and we say, we're taught. James emphasizes this. We're taught to pray, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. It's not always God's will to answer every prayer that we would present to him the way that we think that it ought to be answered. Did you know that sometimes God answers our prayers by just simply saying no? You know, you can get to the point in life that you not only pray that God will show you a clear path and a clear direction, but you can pray for, and I believe we should pray for, open doors. We're supposed to pray for opportunities and to see those opportunities, but also it's appropriate to pray closed doors as well and when the Lord closes a door oftentimes he will reveal himself to us so plainly that did you know that you can almost be just as thankful and just as excited for a closed door as you can an open door because you know the Lord's in the matter but I believe what he's saying right here is that your heavenly father hears your prayer He knows your need. He knows your struggle. He knows your difficulty. And if it's for his glory and it's for your good, he'll intercede on your behalf. But he may protect you from something down the road by simply giving you a no. Did you know that we can't see down the road that far? 
we don't even understand right now oftentimes, much less see down the road. And a lot of times the Lord is protecting us from something down the road, maybe from ourselves or someone else, Amen. when the Lord closes the door. Have you ever been able to look back on your life and you can see where God closed some doors and then years later you actually end up thanking the Lord for that? That doesn't mean that God's not hearing your prayers. It means God knows the big picture. Then this next is so good right here. He says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, did did you know that's not grievous? That's not hard. That's not difficult. Self's the biggest problem. But if you love someone, your husband, your wife, your parents, don't you really have a desire for their good? Don't you really have a desire to please them? If you love someone, if you love your parents, you, you, you want to please your parents. If you love your wife or your husband, you want to do for their good. And it's the same thing here. If you love the Lord and you see what the Lord has done for you in your life, if you have a hope in glory... If you see the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross of Calvary, you want to keep his commandments. Don't always do it. We deal with self. We deal with this old Adam nature that we carry around with us. But doesn't it bother you when you don't? Doesn't doesn't that cause a troubled heart? Here he comes down and he says something else. And he says, and I pray the father that he shall give you another comforter. Now, I tell you, this next verse is so rich. The next couple of verses right here. Christ is telling the disciples, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. He says, first of all, I not only want you to believe in God, I want you to believe in me also, in my works, in my power. But I also want you to think about heaven. I want you to think about the place that I'm preparing for you. I want you to be reminded that, 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 that I've finished the work and that I am the way, the truth, the life. I want you to think about that. But then he comes down and he says... I'm going to be leaving in a bodily fashion. I'm paraphrasing this. But he says, the Father is going to give you something else that's going to help. In addition to being able to think about heaven, in addition to being able to think about the Lord and about Christ, in addition to all of that, he says, I'm giving you something else that's going to help you. Look what he says. And I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, here's how I take that. This comforter that he's talking about that abides with us forever, it's not here for a season. Christ was there in a bodily fashion. He was soon to depart and not be in a bodily presence anymore with them. 
And that was a comfort that they received having him in their midst. And it'll be a comfort for us when we're in the midst and we can lay our eyes upon Christ. But he says that he's going to give us another comforter. And he says, and he's going to abide with you forever. And I believe that means and that encourages us that this comforter that he's giving us is going to abide with us as long as we live here upon this earth. We can be assured that this comforter that God has given us is going to abide with us. And he even breaks it down in a little bit more detail in verse 17. This is, this is so good. He says that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But... Ye know him. Now, really and truly, I mean, at the end of the day, we shouldn't be surprised when so many folks are in so much turmoil. If they don't have the spirit of truth, if they don't have the comforter, we shouldn't be surprised when things are in such turmoil and disarray. But for the child of God, this is going to help. The Christian right here. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. In in Hebrews chapter 8, just want to hit this quickly because here he says in Hebrews chapter 8 verse Uh, verse 9, 10, 11, uh, 12, really, really good verses right here. He says, And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Verse 10 says, For I will put my laws in their mind, and I'll write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. He says, The reason that we know him The reason that we have this knowledge of him, the reason that we have this presence and this comfort of him is that he puts it in us. He writes it in our hearts and he writes it in our minds. And then we know him. But he says, don't you go around and try to teach people to know the Lord. That's not your job. That's not your business. I'm the one that's in the business of writing it in the mind and writing it in the heart. Look what he says. You can teach people about the Lord. You can teach people about the Lord. You can explain the Lord to them. But as far as writing it in their heart, God's the one that does that. Now look what he says right here. And here this fulfills verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But he says, but ye knowing talking to the disciples, talking to the followers, talking to you and I. He says, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. The way I understand that is that he takes the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, and he not only dwells with us, He not only goes along with us, he not only goes before us, behind us, around us, but he says he goes in us. That's right inside. You have that comfort dwelling within. And you're going to have it until Christ returns. So no matter 
what challenges and difficulties, what things trouble our heart here along the way. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, the comforter to help you along. He says, I'll not leave you comfortless. And he says, I'll come again. He says, basically, I'm in the Father. You're in me. I'm in the Father. We're one in Christ. He says, peace I lead with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. And then he says it again in verse 27. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He's given us the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us along the way. You can cry to the Lord. You can pray to the Lord. You can ask the Lord to give you strength. And he does it through the presence of the Holy Spirit that's dwelling not only about you, but it's dwelling within. That'll help you when you've got a troubled heart. God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.